Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Now, we just finished our season one rewatch. The main thing that I've taken from it is Tom Wamsgams. He he was mocked and ridiculed, but he was right. Go on. There is a name for it. Go on. Snowballing. Oh, when he swallows his own load. Yeah. If you think about like sex stuff that you would not want to do, mm. how high on the list is swallowing your own load? It's quite high. It's it's something that I don't think that should happen except by accident. By accident would be really weird though. Yeah, but you never know the trajectory and force with which it's going to uh, leave your body. No, this is, men say that, but it's never with a lot of force. It's always like, blah, blah. how many dicks have you seen come in your life? Not including pornography. Well, just my own, really. Right. That's, that's the point. I've seen an uncountable number. And my point is, is that it's always... Blah, 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 blah. To begin, an email arrived from Marcia Sheltons, who says, Hi, Jeff and Sarah. Hi. My husband and I are rewatching from Series 1, Episode 1, in advance of the first season. Really hoped you guys would fulfil your plan to do a podcast about your rewatch from the beginning. Come on, guys. Where are you? Love, Marja from Cambridge. We're, we're here. We're here, but it's not quite what she asked for. No. But you can't always get what you want. No. But, but if you try sometimes, sometimes you just, just might find, find you get what, what you need. need. Here's what you're getting, Marcia. This is a Series 1 rewatch. We watched the whole lot and we're going to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Next week, you'll get a Series 2 rewatch. Exactly. The week after that... How to describe that? Well, here's the thing. We, we did Series 3 episode by episode, so it feels a little redundant. But I do think as people prepare, it'll be the eve of the new yes. season, yes. Series 4. And I think people will just want a refresher on where we're up to. Mm-hmm. It'll be exciting because there will have been lots of press already. We've had a great Jesse Armstrong New Yorker interview which I shared with you before we started recording. Yes, by which you mean you were like, hey, I think before we start here, you need to read this article. It's the one where he says it's going to be the last series. It's basically like when season four debuts or premieres. Maybe it's dropping. When it's dropping like a single. Shout out to one of my favorite moments in 30 Rock. My single, my single that's dropping, is dropping. So anyway... When season four drops... It's going to be the same feeling they're trying to create with that advert, holidays are coming, holidays oh, are coming. I don't know that advert, do I? Holidays are coming. Yeah, okay, that sort of felt familiar. So we're going to be excited. Yes. And isn't it just better to be all excited together? Yes, it is. You want someone to share it with. So that will happen on the eve 
of series four, and then we're in it episode by episode every week. Yep. And the Friday sprinkles. Yes. Oh my God. So much work is ahead of us. Happy now, Marsha? I wonder if she is happy. Now, I don't think either you or I have much time for the opinion that Succession wasn't very good in series one. Correct. I think people just needed to get to know the characters. And if you go and do a rewatch, it's just good from the off. However, there was a long gap between the pilot and filming the rest of the series, and certain adjustments oh. were made. So, for example, we know from uh, interviews that Logan wasn't Scottish in the pilot, uh-huh. and that was something they came to, and they had to, I think, maybe even go back and redub some of his dialogue. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and with that in mind, Roman is wearing a wedding ring in the pilot. Shut up! I've been sitting on this, I've been sitting on this. I think, oh. I think that Grace, his girlfriend for those first few episodes, is his wife. And maybe even that kid is his kid. Stepkid. He's not the original father of that child. He can't be. But I wonder if he was in the pilot, though. And I wonder if there was some editing around that. But Roman definitely wears a wedding ring. Part of what is hard about it is I, I find it difficult to imagine Roman proposing. Oh, right. I think he'd write it in a note. What would he write? I think here's what he would write. I don't hate you. Want to do this? That was spectacular. Yeah, that was kind of good, wasn't it? Which Roy sibling has the best penmanship? <gasps> Kendall. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I think it might be Connor. Oh. I wonder if Connor has dabbled in calligraphy. I think Connor's probably bought some nice pens, but I'm not sure that's the same thing as good penmanship. Anyway, so the, the wedding ring is definitely there. Another thing I've seen people claim online, although I'm not sure about this, is is that the character of Roman gets a complete rewrite after the party. So I would like to know what evidence they have for that. I think he just feels like he, he feels through the rest of the season, which is this incredible nastiness. You know, he does that thing where he manipulates that child, which lays such good groundwork for the stuff he does with the homeless man in season three. And the way he is with the waiter. Which waiter? Yeah, the big the, the big gala. Oh, the Reckney or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a waiter <gasps> oh, who's trying yes. to get Grace's phone number. Yeah. And he, he tortures he's the guy. He's such a dick. You were a waiter in New York City for a long time. Mm-hmm. Do you say waitress or waiter? Server. Uh, that feels very American to me. Yeah, sure. So when you were doing that job, uh-huh. would you ever slip your phone number to a diner? Never. The guys would get hit on all the time, but the uniform was a button-down white shirt, an apron, jeans, and then you'd have to wear, like, shoes that you could walk in for 10 hours. And so I don't feel that there was a very sexual energy coming from any of the female waiters, and none of us ever got hit on. So you're having it then, this idea that Roman gets a significant rewrite after the party. I don't see this big disconnect between who he is and who he becomes in terms of vibe no so i'd like some evidence if anyone has any for us the other thing is 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 famously jesse armstrong researched and wrote a screenplay about the murdoch family yes. which has led a lot of people to speculate that the the roys are just the murdochs which isn't true i think they're this composite but the murdochs are a strong part of that i never really thought about what was in that script mm-hmm. but as we've been re-watching i googled it and i found a news story on the guardian from 2011 about the best unproduced scripts of that year. Oh, wow. The, the, these scripts that all of Hollywood know uh, are really good, but they haven't been made yet. Yeah. Things that circulate amongst actors and agents and producers and so on. And the Murdoch script, the premise of it, was about Rupert Murdoch inviting his children to a dinner to try and get them to sign documents to give his wife 
a place on the family trust of the family board. Wow. Yeah. Great. Right, shall we start very quickly with some brain dumps from the whole of the Series 1 rewatch, or Season 1 rewatch, as you would call it in the States? Okay. How much cash do you think Colin carries with him at any one time? Oh my God. Because he clearly has with him non-disclosure agreements, or whatever they're called, legal papers, to shut people up. No, but he's, like, in that first episode where where the child and the family signs the NDA about having been offered that money in that baseball game, he signs an NDA and gives a watch. Yeah, and then... The waiter who eventually ends up dying, Colin gets him to sign a NDA after Logan loses his temper with him. I bet he's got the spillage. Three hundred thousand. In cash at any time. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Would you sign an NDA? Do you get paid to do it? Yeah, because Colin's got the envelope of money, hasn't he? At yes. the ready. I wonder if it's in different he's got different amounts in different envelopes in different pockets. Like here's the scenario. I'll I'll tell I'll tell you when you wouldn't sign an NDA. Yeah. If a crime had been committed against a person or something and that person wasn't going to get justice because you'd sign an NDA, then you might not do it. Yeah, I want to sign an NDA, which is basically me getting hush money not to tell the world that somebody's been a bit of a dick. Yeah, oh but it's my it's not God. it's not criminal and there's not really a, a, a victim in that sense because I'm not going to tell anybody anyway. I don't, I don't see anybody. I don't speak to anybody. I would so to get hush money, it'd be money for doing nothing. You you would find it more difficult because you blurt stuff out. Yeah, all I want to do is tell my story. <laughs> <laughs> um, what I noticed in season one is we see a lot of exercising. So we get so you in- get Roman with the personal trainer mm-hmm. to get him fit for business. Yes. We see Kendall at a home gym morning regimen stuff. We see Shiv and Tom out for a jog on the morning of their wedding. Uh-huh. And then what, of course what, what about um what about Logan's physiotherapy? Are you counting what, that in? Not really because what I what I enjoy about the exercises is I like to watch rich people exercise. I've realized this about myself. <laughs> Let me ask you, are you claiming that on site you could tell the difference between a rich person exercising and not not a, a poor person in, in a barrel and braces but i don't know some, somebody on a moderate income exercising just on site yeah 100 percent. jogging could, could you yep what about swimming so. this is hard but i've heard that like if you want to see rich people running you have to go very early uh-huh because it's like these hyper high functioners and they do that like bullshit of like waking up at five in the morning and going for a run first thing. It's so American that your perception of rich people is people who've really got it together and work hard. But I don't think that's wrong. Of course it's wrong. I it's don't know. the succession. That's what this show is about. It's people who were born into it and did nothing for it. Mm-hmm. I think I can really tell an expensive pair of leggings. Oh, if they did legging the prices right. Yes. I you'd think be running I, down the aisle. <laughs> I think I could really like win us a new kitchen set if I did that. And did you say you are including Logan's physio after his brain aneurysm? I liked that because I liked seeing the sort of tenderness between him and Marsha. Of course you did physio. You were in an accident and, and you did quite intensive physio afterwards. And and this is this is this is gonna be painful for me, but did didn't some kind of dalliance happen with your physiotherapist? Oh my God, I can't believe I get to tell this story. I was in physiotherapy for about a year. And about six months of that year was with Angel Rodriguez. Am I allowed to do that voice like that? <laughs> oh, it doesn't feel like Angel Rodriguez. And Angel was very, very handsome. And as, as you know, I never felt like the handsome guys were in my league. No offense. <laughs> 
He was a former Mr. Puerto Rico. Wow. But the long and short of it is that eventually it started to feel like there is a little flicker of something here. And then we went out for um we went out for kiss for kisses. Oh my god. <laughs> Sweet. We like something a 12-year-old would say. We went out for kisses. Angel kisses. Oh, my God. We went out for pizza one night. And then I just remember thinking, do you know what? It's not – it's actually not here between us. I can feel that we're forcing this. But I felt we were so far down the road and that part of my story should be that I kissed a man who was in a beauty pageant. So we kissed. And I went, this is not right. I don't think this is right. And then in the moment that I was thinking, this is not right, he went – your kisses are so romantico. And that really didn't help the situation. And that was the end of Angel. But what I enjoyed about Logan's physio was more broadly about seeing Logan and Marsha together. I found a lot of their interactions from a place of his physical weakness quite moving. Interesting. Yeah. I think people say about succession is it's especially good and accurate depiction of wealth. Mm-hmm. What I want to know is, this, this is the same with Stewie and Kendall walking down the street. They're both under umbrellas. Stewie has a golf umbrella. Kendall has an umbrella the, the size of the O2 Millennium Dome in London. <laughs> is, is that a real thing? I do believe that the umbrella is a very big part of extreme rich person world. Mm. I will also say that when I see people with huge umbrellas in a city... I feel about it a little bit of the way, like when I see people covering their ears when the tube train comes, I would suggest moving to the countryside is what I would suggest. It's like, dude, move. And that's how I um, feel when I see someone with a huge umbrella. Sharing space with others is not for you. Um, Caroline, the mom, was milling around Shiv's wedding and her sort of icebreaker conversation piece to people was going... How long do you think it'll last? Like, that was just what she was saying. And it reminded me of my own mother, who now, if she smells any whiff of marital conflict, like anything, she'll go, do, do, you, do you think you would ever get divorced? Are you and Jeff doing okay? And she did that somewhat recently. And it turned out what she's worried about really is you leaving me. I think she might say that, but I think... It's twofold. I think one is she loves the idea of you going through a divorce, forcing some kind of intimacy between the two of you where you would confide in her. And I think number two, she's been married for how many years? 53. The the idea of vicariously getting to live out a divorce and then no. a new lease of life as a single woman, I think she'd quite enjoy. I would be curious to speak to my brother about whether she does that to him too. Okay. Do you know the age difference between Shiv and Thomas, 13 years? But he's, he's 13 years older than she is. Something like that, yeah. Oh, no, like when that first season started, she's about 30 and he's about 42. And I will say, when I realized about the age gap between Tom and Shiv, I was like, come on, succession. Don't give me unacknowledged age gap. But the reason I will forgive it is I think those two actors have such wonderful chemistry in those roles that we, we just have to swallow it. We have to snowball it. That's why you should do stand-up instead of me. So on the stag party or bachelor party episode... Tom's childhood friends, the Fly Guys. The Fly Guys. They turn up, they think they're going to Prague. Roman has arranged for them to go to this party down some disused tunnels in the middle of nowhere. But not only that, is they're dispensed with. They're not on the guest list. And Tom says, keep your phones on, I'll be in touch. Of course he isn't. We then see them at the wedding. Uh-huh. How do you think Tom smoothed that over? I think that it's birds of a feather. And Tom is an opportunist, and so are these guys. Mm. And so they're going to 
show up to the wedding because like how could you miss that wedding just in defense of tom's ditching of the fly guys what percentage of people who were at your bachelorette party (laughs) do you speak to more than once a year chef can that include like a very warm dynamic on instagram no 20 percent you're judging Tom a little less harshly now? No, because I didn't kick anyone out. Sub- you just kicked them out of your life subsequently. No, it's not. I know I didn't exclude. As we teach our son, I never exclude. How likable do you find Tom? Well, this is interesting. Tom is, is abusive to Greg. Yes. He's horrible to him. And do we think that Tom is only horrible to him because he finds himself in this marriage and in this family dynamic? Or do we think that he's got previous and the fly guys are used to that kind of treatment? Oh, Tom being interesting. dickish. Like, I don't buy the idea that Tom was never a dick and then he got involved with the Roys. Of course not. Yeah. God, it's so interesting to think about. Now, we should thank everybody who has taken the time to email us because plenty of people have. Really? And I thought um, a, a good starting point would be this email from Natalie Burgess. Okay. Hi, FNN. Hi, Natalie. I've just been binge-watching the whole of Succession in a couple of weeks and binge-listening your podcast to hear everyone else's thoughts. I don't understand any of the business stuff they are doing, but the relationships and the psychology of each character is what keeps me fascinated. Is it true of most viewers, or are you all actually interested in politics, media, and economics? I think it's all the psychology. I think they've created a world where it feels fun to spend time, but the genius of this show is getting to think about those characters and what lies beneath and and how they're going to behave. But just to answer that question, Natalie, no, I don't think, I think most of us have no idea about this stuff to do with the business, but that little window into the world of what it might be like, should we game it? Should we game the play? Does it play? Does it work? Is appealing. You know that they just done their research. Yes. In summary, Logan is a monster, Shiv is self-serving, Rome is a damaged court jester, Connor is another fool on the outside edge, and Kendall is the most interesting of the whole lot and my choice for successor. How interesting. Greg is just too spineless and parasitic to truly like. The person I pity most is probably Tom, as he seems the most normal. That's your opinion, Natalie. But we return you to the fly guys. Without Shiv, Tom might actually have been a normal man, yet he is reduced to being someone who has to flatter and pussyfoot around all the family members. He just wants love. Wrong, Natalie. I love that you're here with us, but Tom does not just want love, girl. He wants power. Okay? Well, thank you, Natalie, for that. Natalie, look, I'm so thrilled you've been in touch. We don't agree on everything, but we don't have to. And the reason I wanted to include Natalie's email is, number one, to remind you that we are desperate to hear from you. Thoughts, theories. Share anything. Just make it good. (laughs) But that's too much pressure for people, isn't it? But you know what? Just any thought. If you're thinking to yourself, I think I am a moderately intelligent person. And this is my my thought. I want to hear it. The email address is? Fuck off at firecrotchandnormcore.com. And the other reason I wanted to include Natalie's email is I think she has given us a template from which to discuss our rewatch of season one. Go on. So what we're going to do is go through the characters who are introduced and what we learn about them across those 10 episodes. Great. Great. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. We should start with Kendall. Kenny. I think what makes us feel sympathetic towards Kendall is he has been lined up as the successor in the pilot. This isn't Logan playing mind games with his family in private, messing around with him like he does with Shiv and saying, it'd be good to have you on the inside, Pinky, or Roman, I need you. This is something that has been agreed Mm -hmm. for Kendall. Mm -hmm. And internally at Waystar, they've been gearing up for the announcement. So we can empathise with the frustration of that. Yes, he is a rich kid who certainly isn't there on his own merit, But he has been promised something. Yes, I think he's unlikable and he's cringy, but he's also sympathetic, which is part of why I think he's such a brilliant character. Is there anything in this show that you find more excruciating or triggering than Kendall and Rava's relationship? I don't know if there is, actually. I I think Obviously, there are far more abusive dynamics Uh at play in this show. You think Rava abuses Kendall. You see this woman who's, like, nasty to her husband who's struggling. I see a woman who is not being her best self, but has been really pushed to the brink by trying to raise two children with a father who is absent and an addict. But but he's he's somebody who's at different points, is trying to be sober or trying to be a better father. He's not unrepentant like a Logan. And I think, especially during recovery, it's difficult for me to watch somebody torture an addict for how they used to behave when they were using or drinking or whatever. I'd be so curious to know if other people would use a verb like torture, talking about Rava. I think one of the most heartbreaking moments of the whole series is after he kills the kid and then he washes himself 
That's amazing, by the way. Oh, I love, like, whenever someone gets very dirty on film, I'm always on edge until they're clean again. <laughs> so he somewhat immediately cleanses himself, and that's that's quite helpful. But then once he's all clean, he goes back to Shia's wedding, and everyone's dancing. And he there's, like, this one nice moment of the four of them, Rava and the two kids and Kendall, and they're dancing to Girls Just Want to Have Fun. And, oh, it is so painful because what I feel that that moment got at so beautifully was like there's all this stuff of life that we can't appreciate because it's just life but then if something really terrible happens this desperate need to travel back in time Mm. where you're like no 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 just let me travel back for a minute and then I'll appreciate all the mundanity of stuff there was so much of that in that moment should we move on to Shiv? Shiv Shiv and Tom yeah there's this interview that Jesse Armstrong has given in advance of the new series, Series 4, which talks about the mystery of their relationship. One of my favourite quotes is Logan talking to Shiv about Tom. And he says, you're afraid to compete. You marry a man fathoms beneath you because you don't want to risk being betrayed. You're a fucking coward. And I love that line. I think so much of so many marriages is in that, like... That marriages aren't just about love, they're about what we're afraid of, and we marry people who don't terrify us. But do you not think it's possible to be with somebody too far inside your comfort zone without them being a buffoon in the way that Tom is, though? I I think Tom is in this situation that overwhelms him. He's, like, playing to a tough crowd and learning how to do that, and then he, like, lets his aggression out on Greg, and that we are watching him become a serious person, someone who's evolving. I think, you know, another thing I I took from watching this season one again is, like, no one in this whole show is doing anything other than a fantastic job. But if you were asked me to pick the best of the best of the best, it is Matthew McFadden as Tom. His acting is crazy. The comedy. Yeah. You almost can't watch the scene he's in without laughing. Yeah, and yet it's yeah. all so fucking dark, all of it. Anyway, I, uh, it's so amazing. And I say to you, the great Tom and Shiv quote of season one, if I touch a boob, do you touch a dick? It is an unbelievable quote. Do you think that is like for like? Wait, if I touch a boob. Because I, I think maybe touching a boob is like touching one of the testes. Let me just think. Uh, I think uh, touching uh, a boob. Wait, I'm trying yeah, to. Yeah. I think touching a boob, mm. if clothes are on, or even let's say you're at a strip show, <laughs> I think if you touched a penis over, not a loincloth, a banana hammock. <laughs> I think touching a boob and touching a peanut, a full shaft and balls over a banana hammock are equivalent. But I think if you were touching bare peen, it does feel like a step up from a boob. Mm. But one ball, I feel like, is less than a boob. It, it, it feels, feels medical. Like an it feels medical. Yeah, it feels yeah, medical. Yeah. How um how good do you think Shiv is at her job as a political consultant? <gasps> oh, Jeff, apart great question. from the name Roy having influence, I think she's medium at it. Mm. I don't think she's bad at it, but I think she's very squarely medium. Because I think sometimes with this show, we can have that, this idea that both Kendall and Roman are kind of useless at their jobs, and Shiv is the one with a serious career. But I do, just don't know how much that career would have happened if she wasn't Logan Roy's daughter. I agree, and I love that line from Marsha when they're at the wedding, where she goes, 
he gave you a playground and you think it is the world. <laughs> There's a scene in Cheltenham where Tom is sort of spitballing potential Nate. He's like, so what are, what are we doing? Do we like Roy Wamsgans? He's like, hey, let's just flip with tradition. I could go, I could be Tom Roy. And I love this idea of these men who marry women from extremely successful or famous families being like, this family is everything, man. Trying to spin it as feminist. Yes. When it's like, swear to me on your life that you'd be with her if she didn't have her famous connections because you wouldn't. Now, you didn't change your name and I have no qualms with that. But I I do wonder if I'd had a, a different name, might you have considered changing it? No. What if my surname was um, Jessica Parker? Haha. <laughs> That's not that funny. That's so dumb. Why would you even say that? I am. Um, you know what I really wanted my name to be? <laughs> Sarah Darling. <laughs> really? You know, like the, they're the Darlings in Peter Pan or something. Oh, I so I think of former Chancellor Alistair Darling. Oh. What about one of those powerful names like Disney or Kardashian? Why are there no Disneys who aren't the Disneys? Could ask the same question about the Hitlers. But 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 is there but anything the Hitlers in were that? All changing their names. But yeah, I don't, I don't know about the Disney. Like you never meet a Disney. Stop hiding, you guys. <laughs> Come and say hello. Now, Roman. Mm-hmm. I think that uh, something that came up a few times when we were doing series three is the idea that Roman is some kind of Logan in the rough. Mm-hmm. I think rewatching series one has shown us Roman's kind of useless. Yeah. He was useless out in California with Frank. He's useless when he comes in as COO. He makes mistakes. He allows Stewie and Sandy to play him. And any sense that Logan sees him as more of the heir apparent than the others, I think, is is wrong. Logan just pulls the puppet strings like he does with the others as, yeah, as I don't, it suits him. God, what is he up to? Old Logs. I, you know, what I thought... In that pilot episode, when this baseball game happens and this kid is so horribly manipulated about the million dollars, I was thinking about what Logan thinks about his son doing that to this other child. Yes, it's so, that, that, I think that's so interesting because Logan could have stopped it. Yeah, and there's... So a, Logan could have just shouted out, Romulus! And, yes. and it would have ended there. And I felt that the camera work, the yeah. direction of the episode, was telling us to think about what Logan thought about it. You know, mm. is it him going, this kid's actually got this kind of brutal edge that's actually really useful and good... Or was it him thinking, I've raised a little monster? Because Logan is capable of equally monstrous, if not more monstrous, behaviour, but not just for play. Mm-hmm. That's the difference. Mm-hmm. Logan sees life as a war and all's fair in war. Yeah. But it's it's not just for his entertainment. Yes. Even with Boar on the Floor, which is weird and manipulative, it is manipulative. He no- it, sort of knows what he's doing. And, and trying to get all those lieutenants in his company yes. to be completely subservient and yes. pliable. Whereas a, a boy at a softball game who will never be seen again. Is crueler in a way. Well, it's not crueler, but it's it's about entertainment. There's no further purpose beyond that. And then in that business context, which Roman is so keen to mock Kendall for mm. so so when he got the guy to the the was it a business shaman or something to come in and burn, burn the incense oh yeah that was funny he, he's he's ridiculing it and yet thinks that a legitimate way of aiding brainstorming is by taking shirts off oh my god but I kind of get <laughs> but the, but then the what they come up with is ends shitty up being shitty and destructive and I think that's the first hint as well there's something in Jerry's response 
to the shirt thing, that is the first hint of something. Oh, like we see, what you think you see a little sparkle in her that finds it. Yeah, I mean, I don't. It feels slightly uncomfortable to say that this woman in the workplace. I I didn't interpret it that way. Mm. I thought. She probably sort of thinks he's attractive, but like in a very not even registering it way. She's looking at this young male torso, but still not thinking much about it consciously other than like, you disgusting pig. Yes, but I thought something about that disgust or being rebuked was was the start of something for, for Roman. Roman. Okay, yeah. fine. Yes, I agree with that. Yeah. Um, why does Roman masturbate at the New York skyline? I've heard about, um, I can't remember which explorer it was, but some mountaineer or something being so overwhelmed by what was before him that it moved him to masturbate. But it's not quite that, is it? No, it has something to do with like power, right? Yes. It's, it's, so um, he's COO, he's in that office. He's given, yeah, like the, the, the circumstances given him a hard on. And then to quote former President Bill Clinton, asked why on the topic of Monica Lewinsky, he said, because I could. He just could, so he did. Have you ever been somewhere like with a magnificent view and thought what this needs is an orgasm? No. Has it ever happened to you? Let me just think for a second. I can remember being somewhere scenic and it feeling like I could. (laughs) Um, And I also like that we see him then have to clean it up. Oh, I forgot that. Do we see him clean up his own spoon? Yeah. And I don't think that's out of respect for whoever the cleaning company that no. raised our, uh, that waste our Roy That was a man who'd be very comfortable with other people cleaning up his spooge. Do you think there's any parallel between Roman masturbating in an office and uh, Logan pissing in yeah. Kendall's office? Yeah, like get, just these guys get their dicks out. I think another key moment with Roman in this series is the bachelor party mm-hmm. and the dog cage. Because his story about himself is he was abused and locked in a cage and force-fed dog food, which eventually... His story about himself is very victim-blaming language of you. (laughs) It is, it is. But then if you hear Connor, who, no pun intended, doesn't seem to have a dog in the fight in the same way, say, oh, no, that wasn't dog food, it was was chocolate cake, and Kendall's recollection of it being different. But then Roman using that story as the inciting incident which led to his dad sending him away to, I think he says military school, the idea that he might have... wrong. Yes, I had a very clear read on that whole situation. For me, what I took from that is the reliable narrator there is Roman. He was abused. And all of these things that were about people going, ha ha ha. Oh, but you he liked it. He was into it. It was chocolate. It was dad. That is all about the way that that family tries to act like abuse is something other than abuse. I wondered if there was some truth in it. And certainly that's how he felt at the time. But that there's no no reliable version of events. So I heard it as these children were pitted against each other to help daddy stay the most powerful, number one. Mm. Let's talk about Connor. I I think, if anything, this rewatch of series one has given you a newfound appreciation of Connor. Oh my God, he just... My memory is that he's he's a character who sort of develops so you know, or you he becomes more layered and funnier and more compelling as the series goes on. And it's wrong. Like he's just nuts and perfect from the beginning. And he's not just comic relief. No, he's a poor baby. I really like the way that they've made a decision not to just make Connor sweet. Of course. It's it's so great that he despises paying tax 
Uh-huh, it's uh-huh. so great that he gets sucked into these right-wing conspiracy, he calls them his readings, his research, which lead him to believe that the, what does he call them, the great dangers in society <laughs> are unsecured loans and masturbation. <laughs> it's, it's, it, he, he's not just a harmless rich guy out on his ranch. He's, he's also a rich guy who wants to hoard resources. I wonder how common it is that a man of his stature decides that a woman in his employ should become his girlfriend. Where they're like, I, I don't want to pay you anymore. Like, I'll fund our life, but this is exclusive and I want you to be my person. Oh, I'm, I'm sure that it must, must happen, happen all, all the, time. the time. And how often when that does happen, do you think the reaction is, oh, that's sweet. He wants to buy me. Oh, my God. I think buying a human is, is I, I'd say it should be frowned upon. Is it buying? I don't think it's buying. I think it's give up your job. It's, do you think it feels like a little bit like renting a flat? And then deciding you want to buy it, but 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 this is what's interesting with it for Connor because I I think Connor does really love her. Yes, but then his idea of what love is is skewed in that he doesn't understand the power dynamic. Yes, but the thing is, is he does like her more, so he's got all the power in one sense, but Willa does have some power in another sense. And of course, it is how one of the most beloved rom-coms of all time ends. Oh my gosh. Pretty Woman. She rescues him right back. That's the final end of the film. <laughs> Sarah, Sarah has that entire film memorised, don't you? Most of it, yeah. I've seen it many times. You know how sometimes people do reduced Shakespeare, all of one person doing all of Shakespeare or The Lord of the Rings? You, that could be an ex-Edinburgh show. Oh my God, a one woman, pretty woman? Yes. And it writes itself. <laughs> Will we ever get a Pretty Woman sequel? No. Have they always said, what if we revisited those characters? And no. I don't know, if, 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 if things had taken a turn and, and he was now a sex worker. Oh, he's too old now. Um, what if it's like her caretaking him and just like wipe his bottom? And she negotiates a weekly oh. fee for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're in a negosh. Do, do you think Connor would have negotiated with Willa? Oh my goodness. No, I don't think he's in. No, he's not a negotiator. Do you think Connor might pay extra in the hope that she'd like him more? Oh, God. He's heartbreaking in his way. He's heartbreaking. Do you know what Austerlitz, which is, is, is Connor's name for his house, which he had to change because of, uh, was it racial insensitivity of the original name? Which is oh, never, my no further God. detail is given, but I really like that Oh, my God. That detail. It has to have been like some kind of horrible thing. Um, it's the site of Napoleon's victory over Russian and Austrian armies. Yes, the site of Napoleon's greatest military victory. Do you ever know why Napoleon is his guy? I don't know. But does his Napoleon obsession remind you of anyone? My dad? No, our son. Oh, dun 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 Mama had Waterloo. Napoleon did. No? Yes, I, th- I, think you're right. I think you're right to identify that his introduction to Napoleon was the Abba song Waterloo. But you remember for Christmas two years ago, in his letter to Santa, he asked for a figure of Napoleon. <laughs> no, I don't remember that. Which I then had to find. Do you know how hard it is to find a Napoleon action figure? <laughs> you know, every year there are news stories about parents fighting in the aisles of a, a, a toy <laughs> shop because there's the most in-demand <laughs> present. A, 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 an action figure of Napoleon isn't one of those things. Well, maybe Connor's an ABBA fan. I feel like ABBA fans have real joy in their bodies. Yeah, more likely that he is just this rich guy with a grandiose sense of self, drawing inaccurate parallels with himself and a historical figure. Mm. Um, 
I think there's so much of what is sweet about Connor on display when the, the location of the family therapy is decided to be his home, Austerlitz. Because why he's sort of like... Because he... the idea of having everyone over in his place. It's, he, he wants nothing more even at the end when he's saying to Shiv, you know, come back or whatever whatever he says. He, he, he really wants that sad compound of his to be at home. I also, I just love that beat where Will is like, um, is there like a, a Starbucks? And he goes, <laughs> yeah, yeah, he goes yeah. I got pods. Yes. Like, oh my God, the prison. Now... One person who would love to go to Austerlitz for a, an intense family therapy session is you. Yes. You, your mom, your dad, your brother. My dream. You know why? Why? Because I'd fucking win. So you would see it as a competition? I would 100% see it as a competition. And I believe if the four of us sat down with a therapist, I'm the one with the ingredients to win. What is the competition you're trying to win? Being in the right? Yeah. I know this is not the right attitude for therapy, but I think that whatever terrible things they would want to say to me about myself, I think I know what they are. And do you think anyone wins at the Roy family therapy then? I think there were moments where it showed that if they'd really been ready, Shiv and and Roman, because they kind of wanted to use the opportunity to be like, oh, okay, dad. But it never, Logan didn't allow that to happen. I think everything you need to know about Logan is in the fact that he went into that therapy with the line, who wants to take a pop at the champ? Oh my God. Even though this is a man who thinks he loves his kids and wants the best for his kids, he sees everything as a conflict in which he has to emerge the winner. And that he, you know, and, and that also that one of the topics he cannot engage in is what a horrendous father he's been. Mm. And interestingly, in that New Yorker article about Jesse Armstrong, he was talking about how important, how good it's been for the show that Brian Cox, as an actor, has always brought almost a defensiveness to the idea that, of course, Logan loves his children. You know, that that for the show to really work, that very diluted self-belief is important. It's such an important building block. But it's so crazy. It's probably a good point to transition to talking about Logan. And and Logan simultaneously loves the idea of a, a dynasty, mm-hmm. of an empire, it being passed on to one of his progeny. And he sees his kids, it's, it's in the trailer for the new series, as not serious people. Yes. And he can't relinquish power. Yes. But I, he, is, he is inarguably a bad dad. Yeah. I read a thing a while ago, I, th- I think it was on Reddit, uh, saying if you had to say what Succession is about, it's a show about abuse through generations. Inherited trauma. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Oh, you know what I wanted to ask you? Because of course, the opening moment of the entire thing is Logan pissing. There's so much Logan pissing in season one. And I was wondering if it's difficult for you as a man who's not yet 50 to hear an 80-year-old man with a stream that strong. I don't know what happened with mine. That you're really struggling with that now. Yeah, it's uh, it's not so good. I think it helps me practice mindfulness. Oh, it's it's like a, a tiny babbling brook at a, a Japanese mountain spa. It's quite meditative. Just is that um, what you do to get the urine to come out? I'm saying I don't know how long it's going to go on for. I just have to be in the moment. You just have to be in the moment with it. Yeah. The only time it's ever really a problem is at urinals. Of course. And I'll, I'll tell you for why. It can take me so long to get started. 
and I don't want other men to think that is because I am intimidated because it's, it's stage fright and something about them having the penises out is stopping me from getting going. Because it's not, it's just whatever's going it's on just, with prostate. Do you ever worry that it's like men think it's you dragging it out so you can look at their genitals? No, I don't think I give off much of the peeping Tom importuning vibe. Do you ever get that off people in a, at a urinal? There's, there's nothing to see here. Honey, come on. Just briefly back to Logan. I think an interesting thing about him is he can't be flattered or manipulated by politicians, investors, peers within business. You'll see Stewie or whatever ha- have meetings with him and shower him with praise and it's meaningless to him. And and yet he does seem to be really under the sway of whichever vagina he's chasing at the time. Oh, right. So he's sort of like, he will do what Marsha tells him. Yeah. Cuntstruck. Remember that from season three? Yes, yes. You're the one who's cuntstruck. Yeah, so she wants to be on the trust. Uh-huh. And he's going to do that. That's so... Yeah. That it's his big weakness. They're the ones with power over him. Yes. So interesting. Which brings us on to Marsha. How do you think Marsha decides when to slip into French? Like, she'll oh see my Kendall and say, hello, Kendall, ça va? Why ça va? I think when she is feeling comfortable as the lady of the house, when she feels most fully herself. I mean, that's just my guess. Wouldn't it be great if it turned out that Marsha was actually like Alec Baldwin's wife and she was just pretending to be French? Oh my God, Hilaria. <laughs> Who's actually Hillary from Connecticut. How you say? How you say? How you say, Baldwinitos? I do think that's one of the greatest things to ever happen in, in my lifetime. Like how you say is very big with Hilaria, and like I don't, I'm not supposed to do that accent, but I'm just doing. Neither what she is does. she. Neither is she, and it turned out she'd made the whole thing up. <laughs> it was just that her family liked going to Spain on holiday. And, yeah, yeah, and she, yeah. She felt an affinity with it. Her name's Hillary. Yeah, great. Where does Marcia sit for you on the likability scale? I don't think she's particularly likable, but I, I enjoy it when she drops the odd truth bomb oh. to one of the kids. I was thinking like in a situation like this, you know, where there there is this elder statesman, Logan, with these health battles, who who's winning the grief award? Like who has more ownership over the grief? The widow or the children? It feels like it should be the children in this situation. But a wife is much more of a day-to-day. This is the thing. Okay, how long mm-hmm. do the couple need to be Great. together for before the widow or the wife gets number one grief rights? Ten years. Why ten? I just felt like we needed to get into double digits. <laughs> you know what I mean? How much of what Marsha feels towards Logan in terms of the protectiveness mm-hmm. and the shielding him from his kids mm-hmm. is about him versus about her. So it's it's everything, right? Like she wants power. This stuff is about her. But also I think she is genuinely protective of him and genuinely quite repulsed by his kids. Do you think she was correct to forbid the children from seeing their dad? No, I, f- I found that bit quite strange. That bit yeah, that felt like it crossed extreme. the line from protectiveness into some kind of control. Crazy lady stuff. Yeah, yeah I had yeah, the exact same yeah. note. Um, not quite a Roy, but almost. I, mean, I, c- I can't remember how, how exactly he describes that when he's trying to persuade the security <laughs> guard at Logan's building. Oh, is that what he says? Of whom, who he is. But uh, it, it, Greg. Yes. Love you, dude. Love you. I think Kieran Culkin and Nicholas Braun... Have one note, but what a note. I don't think we'll ever see Nicholas Braun and something and be like, whoa, I didn't know we had that range. Whereas Matthew McFadden 
the range. But that's not necessarily a bad thing. To some extent, you could say the same thing about Jack Nicholson. Yes. It's not like you ever see Jack Nicholson in a film and think... Where did Jack Nicholson go? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I I think actors can fall into those two camps and still be great, great actors. Um, He's so funny. Yeah, he's so funny. One of my favourite moments which I've completely forgotten about is when he is shredding the documents on Thanksgiving Day. He's going, this saves the day. The other goes away. And then he sings, Greg is chopping it up. Greg is chopping it up. Greg is chopping it up. (gasps) Wonderful. Did your parents ever get into shredding? No, but you know it was my grandmother's whole thing. Did she love us? Are you joking? I can't tell if you're joking or not. No, because, well, her house was the house of a hoarder. So it does, It never appeared that she was that into shredding. Yeah, right, I see. I <laughs> because she'd find things like pizza leaflets from but 1986. Definitely that person who felt the documents needed to be shredded and she 100% owned a shredder. There's a, there's a type, isn't there? So like a certain kind of methodical obsessiveness about the way a process was supposed to happen. She wasn't worried about someone stealing her identity. No one wants her identity. No, that's that's Somebody would it, want right? your grandma's identity. Um, who would you rather be? Greg on the 12-hour drive oh, with his grandfather, Ewan, or Kendall off in that car with the waiter about to take oh. him to a watery grave. Okay, well, look. There's not much in it. Only because in the other situation, I would wind up having to be responsible for killing somebody. But other than that, the idea of a 12-hour drive with a grumpy old man and not being able to listen to anything is my idea of a waking nightmare. Do you think Ewan dislikes Greg more than Logan dislikes his children? Yes, but it's not that, you know, the reason it's such a better relationship is it's not the push-pull. It's not manipulative. It's it's on the table what's going on there. Like, he's just outwardly disdainful, whereas Logan, like, wants to keep them close so he can continue to abuse them. The, the great thing about Greg's character is his his ability to sniff out useful information, even if he doesn't, in the moment of that happening, understand why it's useful. But he has got a really good nose for noticing stuff. And a shamelessness. Yes, yeah, yeah. You know, he has this thing which is a complete... He he presents as not caring about embarrassing himself. Sometimes when you talk to people about succession, they think of it like you might think of conventional storytelling, where the least likely or the most innocent ends up the winner at the end of it. And I just don't see that for this show. I don't see Greg or Tom, for that matter, bumbling their way. I'm sure if it's somehow going to be Tom in in some position of, of power, it will feel authentic. They'll find a way, but I just can't see it happening with Greg. Well, let's talk about, just to finish off, the ways in which anything we saw in Series 1 might come back in how they're planning on wrapping the whole thing up. Well, I think... Marsha's going to figure in heavily, I feel this. So the waiter who drowned still feels significant. Mm-hmm. Marsha knows about it and her son knows about mm-hmm. it. And Marsha, by the end of season three, has, has been sidelined for Kerry. But this this is potent information. Is a financial settlement enough to keep a lid oh, on Marcia. that? Exactly. Um, I also, I think all this Shiv and Tom stuff, I, maybe this is just wishful thinking, but... I think that feels like it's going to figure in heavily. Are there these two references in season one about the state she was in when they got together? We never, we've never 
revisited that. I, th- I think there was something I read the other day that gives me the impression that Nate will be back in Series 4. Mm-hmm. What I love about Succession is however they're going to do it, it's, it's better than I can imagine. I was thinking the other day, wouldn't it be a great resolution for the entire thing if Logan dies and the will says, um, I, I leave it to my four children to appoint a successor because then it leaves them in purgatory. But I just know that they'll, they'll do something better than that. What are you most interested in? For me, it's Tom and Shiv. I guess Kendall, in a way, mm-hmm. since series one, he, he's been on his whole arc with the dead waiter you see him zombified and then you see him become himself but then there's a hubris which goes with that which then makes him ridiculous and and the pride comes before a fall then you get that beautiful moment with the three siblings but we just know about that family that's not going to remain a beautiful moment the idea that isn't weaponized in some way doesn't feel real to me but also logan is so implicated in that it's not just kendall logan has cleared up a thing his fingerprints are all over it and this was a kid who had an envelope of money in his pocket and had signed an nda because logan had lost his temper when he'd spilled some champagne on him so kendall and logan are embroiled in that together what one goes down the other one does too yeah okay I think that Jesse is going to fulfill all of our wishes. Are you uh, feeling any uh, impulse to revisit, dear Jesse? Dear Jesse, I love you. I thought you looked, am I, do you think only he can hear me right now? Mm-hmm. I thought you looked so good in the photograph that they used of you in the New Yorker article. I think it's so admirable. I'm so sad as a fan that this is the last season. But I, I understand it is the right creative move for you. And I really, really respect your need to prioritize quality over quantity. And also, you must be so rich. Have you thought about how much money he's turned? Oh, my God. Dear Jesse. Here we go. <laughs> Listen, dear Jesse. Yeah. Can you give us a ballpark sense of how much money you turned down. (laughs) How much money has he turned down? And what does that conversation look like with your wife? I have another one. Dear Jesse, how good are you with money? (laughs) I would like to discuss a lot of your own financial habits with you. Dear Jesse, I've read enough interviews with you to know that discussing the show actually isn't your favorite thing because he wants the viewers to be able to interpret it for themselves. I would just like to speak to you about you. I have so many questions about your financial habits, but I won't prod. I'll just ask and then I'll I'll accept the way that you decline to answer my questions. Dear Jesse, <laughs> I feel that he's quite into his fitness. I'm saying this to you, Jeff. So dear Jesse, did you, do you do cold water swimming and are you finding it effective? And dear Jesse, do you feel that if I do cold water swimming, it would help me be creative in the way that you are? Dear Jesse, I feel that I've been undervaluing myself recently and I would like to... <laughs> I would like to like up my sense of my own self-worth because I think it would help me achieve more. Are there any pointers that you can give or is it just something that you're born with? All right. Shall we uh, Shall we leave it there? Okay. We'd love to hear from you. We're going to watch season two and then in a week or so, you will have another rewatch episode to listen to. But if you want to share your thoughts. Oh, really what we want is to hear from you if you are doing your own rewatches. Join us. Share with us. The email address? Fuck off at firecrotchandnormcore.com. 
Hey, girl. Hey, girl. Is this, is this you bringing us, bringing us in for landing? Yeah, I'm yeah. showing Jesse can bring you in for landing, and so can I. <laughs> hey, girl. Thanks for listening. <laughs> I'm trying to make it like I'm just talking to one person like you always say you yeah, should. Okay, okay. Hey, girl. Like, I want these next few weeks to feel like it's the 21st of December, and you're just looking forward to not having to work and doing nice things in the run-up to Christmas. But Christmas, succession. That's all. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.